0: You know, if you take away the computer and you take away the mic, I'm just a girl in her closet drinking a beer on a pillow. You know? You know? (laughs) (laughs) And that's fine. Don't we all want to be that girl? Yeah. I I wish I would say this was the first time, but it's not, you know? I'm just glad you guys are here with me now. That's
1: good. That's a lot better when you got got good friends around when you're in the closet drinking (laughs) a beer. All right, well... Uh, uh.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: is... Welcome over... welcome to Hangover edition of Under the Pendulum.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was Heather's birthday party last night over Zoom, so we had a little bit too much fun. I'm
1: tearing it up. Uh, dude, never, mm-hmm. too <laughs> never too much fun. Never too
0: much fun. Nope. Y'all you got a party over Zoom, it's the best. <laughs>
2: yeah. Don't have to was, drive was home. Actually... That's the best part. Yeah. That, that was pretty is funny. Very nice.
0: <laughs> yes. I wonder if you can do, I was wondering last night, I'm like, can you do karaoke over Zoom? But, like, for us who live in apartments like we do, oh, my God, that neighbor would want to kill us. Like, (laughs) she's. I'm sure you could. For sure. That'd be very fun.
1: That would be. That'd be very, very fun. Mm -hmm. I was just talking about how much I missed karaoke.
0: Mm -hmm. I was, too, the other day. I think about it all the time when I'm driving. Like the other day I sang When Doves Cry to completion just because I miss karaoke so much. <laughs> I was like, let's just try it. Let's see how it feels. And then I tried singing White Rabbit. No. That wasn't no gray slick over here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> M's like, I really want to do the um Baywatch theme song. Like she really wants to fucking What is do the that Baywatch
0: one. theme song?
1: Oh man, it's uh, God, she could probably sing the whole thing. I don't know. It's it's just like it's very uh... oh here. That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> It was very soulful. You could be
0: if you sang in that style with that music. You could literally sing about any fucking thing, and it would be <laughs> inspirational. Yeah, Anything. really. Yeah. Uh... We're grocery shopping
1: today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how to spit? How to scare the cow out?
1: <laughs> Man, I took a dump. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Chris, Chris, can you real quick? Can I just you're at an audition, and we need you to sing <laughs> like a rock, okay? Yeah, oh like a, big a rock deal. this is a big this is a big deal this is a big promotion what's,
1: what's my motivation
0: <laughs> chevy trucks um oh like chevy i get a, like
1: like this is singing to win to get a truck
0: well no to be on the commercial and then you can buy as many oh. trucks as you want
1: all right all right hi i'm chris weber and i'm i'm auditioning for the uh the music for chevy <clears throat> oh.
0: what oh. do you got son Kay. lack of rock oh like a rogue i knew you had that stank chris i knew you had that see stank (laughs) did i get the part i think so i I think think so Uh, No, you know that was really good we'll call you
1: yeah actually you know just we're going with something a little different you know (laughs) (laughs) well welcome to under the pendulum i'm chris weber here as always is heather weber hello and joining us from, I guess, what did you think, say? South Pasadena. Mm, I'm in South Pasadena. It's Caitlin Weber. Yes. Yeah. It is oh, a fancy. subset
0: of Los Angeles, but it's pretty oh, close. See. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: nice. nice. South Pas- is, is, is That's like a lot of film stuff, right? Like, like, is, you've been going to a lot of those houses? They
0: do uh, have uh, a lot of it. Like, if you watch the original Halloween, it's in my neighborhood. That's where they yeah. filmed it. That kind of thing. And just, like, any kind of, like, wholesome What's it suburb kind of place they do that, but South Pasadena is like mostly known for its architecture and stuff. But oh neat, yeah, there's like a school out here and it's really pretty. You guys will you'll you'll see someday and you'll love it. They also had a lot of ostrich farming, like a lot of uh, feathers came from out here. Oh, interesting. I'll, t- I'll, sh- I'll tell you some ostrich facts when you come out here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I saw a video the other day of like two English dudes. They were going to, they're about to like cook a full ostrich, like, you know, skin no. like a, like a, like oh, a chicken. Oh, that's
0: so disturbing to see one on it, a platter well, like it's that. It's pretty
1: incredible how big it is, you know, yeah. but it yeah. also looks like a big, delicious chicken.
0: I bet. I <laughs> bet. <laughs> Apparently the eggs like, like, aren't too great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was mm. gonna
0: say I have a lot of ostrich feathers in this place, like antique ones. Like they probably actually came from out here, which is crazy. Probably, mm. yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, just real quick, so I just want to say one last thing about this ostrich facts here is they there was a uh, gentleman I forget the name, but he started the original ostrich farm out here, and he shipped seventy two ostriches from Africa, which only fourteen survived the voyage. And from there, Uh-oh. he populated. Wow. He made all of the ostriches that would be in the United States of America.
1: That's a <laughs> lot of dead ostriches, though.
0: Wow,
1: That's <laughs> yeah. I know they, a lot
0: of them died. At least uh, they got some are, freebies for the feathers.
1: Yeah, well, I wonder if they ate them. I mean, <sighs> I
0: wonder they probably I mean. rancid by that point. They just probably Dude, kicked those, them overboard, the, those like thighs, the feathers.
1: <laughs> yes, those thighs <laughs> are like feed a family of like twelve.
0: Jesus, yes, 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 yes. Sorry, guys. All right, all right so back oh, to the show.
1: Yep, yeah, we digress. <laughs> um, so I have written here that we have a fun and lighthearted episode, but I, it's kind of not, I guess.
0: Yeah, oh. we thought it was going to be, and yeah, oh, no. it's kind of kind of
1: sad a little bit.
0: I mean, I guess that kind of happens when you're talking when it's a horror podcast because it's horrendous things, you know, awful and terrible yeah. and dark. Yeah. So. <laughs> I suppose yeah, nothing uh, horrible yeah, is all that lighthearted unless it's fantasy.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, we'll try to lighten it up a little. There's, there's oh, some yeah. kind of funny, funny parts, I guess. I don't know. That's right. I don't know about yours, Heather, yet. So, mm-hmm.
2: no. Well, maybe.
1: <laughs> so today we're talking about deadly blunders in history, and of the confectionery kind, I guess.
0: I yeah. just heard the boop, 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 slippery noise for like when a cartoon <laughs> falls on its
1: ass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bully <laughs> artist again, I tell you. Mm-hmm. Yep,
1: yep. <laughs> just like a little quick prologue. You know, terrible accidents happen all the time throughout history and of course today. Uh you know, we are inherently flawed creatures. Some mistakes are tragic like the sinking of the Titanic in 1918.
0: I mean, I just want to say I don't know one man that like if you watch Titanic, they're like, "Yeah, fine, I guess we can watch it." And then you like towards the end of the movie they are crying they are always crying <laughs> I don't care how hard you are you're gonna cry
1: it's always <laughs> when those violins start playing man
0: yeah. oh shit
1: because they, really, oh, they really go for it it's like two old people like clutching each other in the oh, sand, and the so water rising and it's just like okay. oh god
0: okay one last question before I keep interrupting but like do you think that there was enough room on the door for Jack of course Absolutely. there was
2: did you see the size of that thing?
0: I
1: yeah, know, but I, like, so I thought they tried to get on it like together and um, and, and it, it kept, kept flipping like, over, bobbing
0: and falling yeah. over. But you I know what? Know. I, I feel like they should have made it a little bit more believable in that way because it was a big ass fucking door. She was like sprawl out. But... I know. Uh, I mean, singing some songs like she could have been sipping some cocoa. Like she looked comfy.
1: It's a <laughs> yeah stressful situation.
0: <laughs> and some people
1: fare right. better than others. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we get some accidents that change the course of history, kind of like how the car carrying Archduke uh, Franz Ferdinand, it took a wrong turn down a street, and it ran into uh, Gavrilo Princip, who had previously failed to assassinate the Archduke. So, due to oh, this that driver's...
0: so crazy.
1: Yeah, so due to the driver's blunder of kind of taking a wrong turn, uh, Princip got his second chance, and he shot and killed the Archduke, which kickstarts World War I. Woo! Uh, yeah. dang yeah that's crazy right it's just like this one little mistake or, or you know choice just it, it can, can completely change the course of history it's, you know pretty... and
0: two wonderful things we got from World War one is a uh, cosmetic surgery and and prosthetics I guess that's two things but number three are spats wonderful spats but... <laughs> like the shoe covers <laughs> like the shoe covers yeah <laughs> The variety of spats are.
1: There's a. I read an interesting archaeology article the other day. They found a prosthetic toe that goes back like three thousand to thirty five hundred years ago. But it's like from the Egyptians. It's that's crazy. Whoa. Yeah,
0: I would spend my whole life savings for that toe. <laughs> <laughs> I would go. I would live under a bridge, but at least I would have my toe tied to a string around my neck. Your ancient toe. <laughs>
2: prosthetic My ancient and you toe. and you would scream as people walked by do you know what this is
0: do you make know what him this is it. make them suck on it
1: kiss it kiss it kiss yeah it. you can make it you can make it like a pope string or something you know
0: <laughs> here let me hit this meth pipe Just kidding.
1: <laughs> um and then we have more like localized and sometimes comical um blunders that happen Uh, But those can also have a really great impact um, on society and in the world. Yeah. Uh, So we'll be talking about two instances uh, that involve sugar with deadly
0: consequences. (laughs) Give me sugar, baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I guess I'll start off. Well, actually, and I guess I don't know if it's really well known in America. This is the Bradford sweet poisoning of 1858.
0: Yeah, girl. Bradford's sweet poison of 1888 yeah girl
1: yeah mm, Bradford's sweet <laughs> mm. so, made merry
0: oh no why'd you have to say oh, that no, no. why'd
1: they bring that up <laughs> so uh anyone who has spent some time researching london in the 19th century knows that it was not the most cheerful of places
0: no. What's you mean governor <laughs> I just got the scurvy, that's all. I ain't had shoes in 3 days. What <laughs> <laughs> goddamn tits have fallen off. Seriously, like you think a little match girl, you think of any Dickensian street urchin like damn, those toes have been run over by trolley cars. Like goddamn, I'm surprised you if they even have any toes left, like poor thing.
1: Frostbite. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. So freezing cold <laughs> and riddled with disease.
1: So, um, as Jillian London writes up in her essay, this is a long title, uh, Tragedy, Transformation, and Triumph, comparing the factors and forces that led to the adoption of the eighteen sixty adulteration act in England and the 1906 Pure Food and Drug Act in the United States.
0: Got that mouthful. Triple T's.
1: So anyway. So in this um in this essay, quote. Bradford, in 1858, was a disorderly, smoke-infested, slum-filled piece of shit town. Was, you shouldn't say piece of shit. <laughs> I was going
0: to say. <laughs> <laughs> was that was good. Uh,
1: there was no proper sewage system, no pure water supply piped to houses, streets were not drained, and many were not paved. Although there was a police force, it was scarcely able to keep order on the streets, unquote.
0: Dang. What you're... What year is this? Excuse me.
1: Uh, 1858.
0: Oh yeah, gross. I yeah. just just see the <laughs> so. Gross. I just see like all these Ew. teeth, like mouths in my head of like de- like that time period of London. <laughs> 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 you want some tea, <laughs> You want some fish with that? Ah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, there's an audible chomping in the air.
0: <laughs> the bricklayers all <always laughs> just uh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, to go along with this seemingly bleak and lawless town, there were no laws and regulations on the adulteration of food and drugs. Oh, of course. Don't so say. Gen- Yeah. So this generally means that anyone could put almost anything into food or drugs to essentially cut them, gaining more from less.
0: Oh, for sure. I was just watching uh, like a reminder on Dr. Kellogg and all the quacks and like patent medicines and all the crazy ass shit, like you know, cocaine and opium and stuff that they would put in it to just, you know, dilute it or whatever, and just make yeah, you know, exactly,
1: yeah. And usually addicted. they're selling it to like the the poor or you know,
2: right, like sawdust and bread and shit like that,
0: snake oil.
1: So Joseph Neal lived in Bradford, and he was a confectioner who manufactured and supplied sweets to vendors. One of the more popular items that Neal made were peppermint lozenges, which he made Mm. by, quote, mixing water, gum, sugar, and flavorings to a paste, uh, then spreading it onto a board to dry, and then he'd cut it into lozenge shapes.
2: That sounds nice. Yeah, it does.
1: So to to save money, like many other druggists and confectioners at the time, Neil would adulterate his products to produce them more cheaply. Neil. So Mm. a little background on sugar. Sugar. Sugar was a really costly... (laughs) Sugar. Sugar sugar water. (laughs) Sugar sugar was a costly commodity during this time. Um, It was difficult to grow in England, so it was often imported into the country. Sugar was not in general use in Britain until the 14th century, though the aristocracy was most likely using it as early as the mid 13th century.
0: Because of slaves.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: Unfortunately,
1: slavery never tasted so sweet. Oh
0: man, there was this, <laughs> there was this documentary I was watching about the transatlantic slave trade and like, you know, Brazilian and Haitian um sugar cane farms and stuff like that. Yeah. And the check this they would have a special knife or like axe kind of thing that the the slave drivers would have on them at all times for when they were um let's see, like a kind of manufacturing the sugar into sugar uh that mm-hmm. the slaves would get their hands caught in the machine so often that they would just cut it off like they would just cut their hands oh, off oh dear
1: holy shit and it shit. happened wow. all
0: the time it like at a daily occurrence jesus oh. christ i know so dark history behind sugar there
1: that's for sure yeah i don't even got a chance to sharpen my hand uh. axe. <laughs> it's just like oh geez
0: this is gonna take a while
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um sugar continued to be a luxury item that only the wealthy could afford mm-hmm. for a long time so during the 17th and 18th centuries sugar was imported from plantations in the west indies and the trading ports became very wealthy Sure. According, according to a write-up by Ben Johnson of uh, for Historic UK, quote, by 1750, there were 120 sugar refineries operating in Britain. But due to the fact that they could only produce 30,000 tons a year, the prices were very high. Sugar was known as white gold, as the profits from the sugar trade were astronomical. Wow. Jesus The government... Yeah, the government began to tax sugar heavily. And in 1815, the tax raised from sugar in Britain was a staggering three million pounds or almost a quarter of a billion dollars in today's money.
0: I mean, and like, of course, we can't digest sugar that well. Of course, we're getting fat. Of course, we're getting diabetes. Like, I've never been exposed to this kind of sugar, let alone processed sugar. Like, Christ, that's not so.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's just, like, it's really crazy how, I mean, uh, how much money the government was just making just from, like, just taxing it for, yeah. for all the rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it yeah. was,
2: like, unlike anything else, it was
0: decadent. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even... yeah. The, I got,
0: I... Oh, go ahead, Chris.
1: Oh, no, it's just, like, it's, it's like, um, I don't know, it almost seems like another thing that the aristocracy always likes to kind of hold over the, you know, the rest of the population. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Get
0: this sweet She'll shit. Go. You oh. can't have no, maybe a little bit.
1: They're just, they're just <laughs> smacking peasants with, like, little bags of sugar. Ugh,
0: sugar and butter, <laughs> and it's just like, why? They, I just want to eat them. Butter. <laughs> butter. Mm.
1: So, although the price and value had been dropping for decades, um, it was still too expensive for most lower-working-class people to afford. It could also be expensive for confectioners like Neil. So, to extend their small supply or to completely replace sugar in their product, they used a, quote, calcium compound that often consisted of either plaster of Paris or Derbyshire limestone. And this compound was known as terra alba or daft.
0: Jeez, I mean, I don't know. I encourage everybody to go under your sink and smell how delicious some of those cleaners smell, like sugary and sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's tough. I mean, there's a lot of really tasty things out there. Fix all. (laughs) You have to try it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't very tasty, but it, it was pretty harmless for the most part. Like, yeah. no one was going to die from eating it. Yeah. No. So, back to our story. One day, Neil received an order from a local street vendor named William Hardiker, or Humbug Billy, as he was known locally.
0: It's the best. That's an, I If I have a dog, that's his name.
1: <laughs> I'll scruff. Okay, he's
0: going to be all scruffy and always wearing a scarf. <laughs>
1: he's always cold he always looks cold (laughs) so Billy owned a small stall on Green Market where he sold the peppermint lozenges which were known as peppermint humbugs to those who bought them from Billy Oh, that's, that's cute that's very cute so Neil not having all the ingredients to fill the order told one of his lodgers to pick up daft from Charles Hodgson's who was a nearby druggist and made daft to sell Neil's lodger picked up what he thought was daft on October 18, 1858. See, Hodgson had been ill, and he asked his assistant, William Goddard, to fill the order while he was resting in bed. Hodgson told Goddard that he could find the daft stored in a cask in the shop's attic. Goddard did as he was told and grabbed the cask with, with what he thought was daft, and he filled Neil's order. Uh-oh. So Neil and his assistant then made the peppermint lozenges for Hoducker. A few things were off about the lozenges during the manufacturing process. First, the color wasn't quite right, and they both felt ill while working with the mixture, tasting it now and and again to make sure that it was correct. (laughs) Not even thinking that anything was wrong with the lozenges (laughs) and wanting to fill Billy's order quickly, they went ahead and just sold the batch. Oh, my God. Billy... Billy seeing that the lozenges were not the best quality got a discount for the somewhat defective sweets. This
0: needs, oh good. He res- this needs to be an animated <laughs> short because I am just seeing so many funny gags in here just like <laughs> Oh my god, just like where they're tasting it and it's just like a pile like a box of rat poison behind them that falls over into the trash can or something.
1: <laughs> so um Billy received the order on October 30th, just in time for Halloween.
0: Oh good. Oh good. So
1: Billy Billy <laughs> set out his peppermint humbugs and he began to sell them, not knowing that there was something terribly wrong with them.
0: Thank you so much Daddy. Thank you for my peppermint humbugs. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, Billy ate one of the lozenges himself, and he became violently ill, oh and he god. left for home. But he put a worker in his stead to keep selling the sweets to the unsuspecting so customers.
0: <laughs> my god, that
1: <laughs> So, what no one knew yet was that Godar, the druggist's assistant, had grabbed the wrong cask. Instead mm-hmm. of grabbing the cask of daft, he had retrieved and sewed Neil a cast of arsenic. <sighs> each one of the peppermint humbugs, <laughs> each one of the peppermint humbugs that Neil had made had enough arsenic <gasps> in it to kill two Jesus people. God, Jesus God, Can
0: you imagine? You're like, here you go, sweetie. You've been so good this year. Here's some candy. I love you, my darlings.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, it's kind of like that. It's it, it's kind of sad.
0: I know. I. Oh, go
1: ahead, Chris. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say, like, I just I'm just imagining people dying like cartoons in this, like where they're just eating these peppermint humbugs and their eyes are popping out and their fucking heads are exploding and stuff like just dying so suddenly these poor little things.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in all, 20 people were poisoned to death. No. Half of them children. (gasps) Yeah.
0: Oh, that's half of them children. Half
1: of them children. Yeah. I, I
0: have to say that's much less than I thought.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean well uh, well several hundred people became violently ill. Violently so it Ill. was and it like, was like quite the spectacle, I'm sure.
0: To and to even be like kind of ill in the, you know, 19th century, that's a, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean like yeah, um, and there's I mean yeah, it's it's pretty nuts, man. I mean some of the sweets made their way out of Bradford into Leeds and Manchester, so it like they kind of like <sighs> when you know someone's like
0: so excited they got the peppermint humbugs they have been telling everybody about it so much in their letters just like writing about these goddamn (laughs) candies that i'm gonna bring they're about to make another batch and i'm gonna bring someone to come visit you
1: god they just won't shut up about the lozenges it
0: won't and like their mom just died or something and they're all just like getting together after a long time and then they start shitting themselves to death oh god can I
1: set of scene, uh, you guys? It's so Maybe. sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's really sad. Picture it. <laughs> Humbug. Humbug.
2: Humbug. So
1: after some investigative work, they trace the incident back to Neil, Goddard, and Hodgson. All three were charged with manslaughter through negligence, but oh, all three ultimately wow. were released and never punished.
2: Yeah. I mean, they didn't know.
0: Yeah, I, I it was
1: it, it, I don't think it was it was anything like sinister, you know, or or anything. It was just a dumb mistake that, but I mean it it led to, you know, like 20 deaths and several yeah. hundred like fucking I wonder what hospitalized that conversation
0: people. was like about the guy that that accidentally grabbed the arsenic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In my office.
0: Yeah. Sorry, sir.
1: (laughs) This event led to a public outcry about the adulteration of food drugs. Two years later, the 1860 Adulteration Act was passed, though this wasn't the only event that led to this piece of legislation. Its widespread publication led to a greater public awareness about the dangers of food and drug alteration and its lack of regulation. You know, but you kind of had a lot of things happen around the time. Like there was the 1906 clean food and drug bill that was passed in America. And, you know, and then in like 19, uh, around that time, uh, you had The Jungle, which was a book that uh, Upton Sinclair, a journalist. Yeah. He published about the Chicago meat packing industry and stuff. And Mm -hmm, it was just like a lot of fucked up shit was going on. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of like all these things happened around the same time, you know, public awareness of like what was actually happening to their food.
2: Decrease the surplus population. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, adulteration was a huge thing. Um, There's this channel on YouTube called Absolute History. I think I showed it to you, Chris.
1: Yeah, you did, yep. Mm -hmm.
2: And there's a segment they do on um, where they bake, like, three different loaves of bread, one with regular ingredients, one with, like, plaster of Paris, and one with the sawdust in it. And they, like, show, like, how with the adulterated loaves it looked more appealing to women that would go to market and buy it
1: oh but it was okay. like so it's...
2: more dense and it is really interesting
0: i mean and it's not so different with what they're get putting in fucking breads these days you know it's, it's yeah pretty... that's true <laughs> pretty over processed and it's like it, it though it's not sawdust how well does our body digest that kind of thing yeah. yeah yeah i
1: mean it's like i think i i don't know if it's france or it's another european country but like they don't consider our bread like actually bread
2: that's true they no. don't it's like a dessert
1: I, I think it's not even up to par with what they would yeah. consider to actually be bread you know
0: yeah. yeah. I mean from a nutrition nutrition standpoint even. Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: probably it's probably more that man, the the manufactured bread, you know, like the mm-hmm. the the mass produced bread. Um, you know, you probably go to a baker. It's probably good quality.
0: Yum. I love that the 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 old rustic sexy loaves that you get that are like it's the fucking outside the crust is so hard and when you bite it yeah. it's just Dude, we've been getting lovely. some killer
1: fucking um Bread lately, the the French bread. Really? Oh, it's been super nice. Yeah, yum, yum. It's always been super soft.
0: Oh. Oh. We were sitting at a fancy cafe the other day out here having some sandwiches, and this like baker comes out and he's like, "We made too much bread. Do you guys want to take some loaves home with you?" And they're just these big, sexy round like loaves of bread, and we're like, "Does a bear shit in the woods hand those over?" God damn!
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> give That's me what I buns, Mr. Baker. <laughs> Dude, I could just see that scene just like a very portly baker, very jovial. <laughs> he was he was fat as fuck. He well, made great. too much of bread. <laughs> Free bread.
2: <laughs> we got into
0: too much for the for <laughs> I know. How do you make too much bread? Like to to sell, I don't know. For that was They have like a funny.
1: bread machine that's just like malfunctioning and shooting bread out. Just like a room full of bread.
2: <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Mamma
0: mia. Mamma mia. I don't know why he's
2: Italian, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> I think he was a a Mexican gentleman, but that's fine.
1: <laughs> a Mexican gentleman.
0: Gentleman. Gentleman.
1: Well, uh, yeah, that was the end of my story. Um
0: Oh, Woo! it's really sad. Those I really children. thought of uh children's insides being liquefied. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it's like kind of comical until you cuz you until you like keep removing, "Oh, it's arsenic." yeah yeah and a bunch of kids die
0: (laughs) i mean mean, how do you die from arsenic poisoning do y'all know
1: um Um, i think it's let's look it up
0: it's bad
2: i know that yeah i think it's a lot of like gastric disturbances and yeah i don't know what it does to the blood and the brain let's
1: let's let's find out or if it's
2: just like organ failure yeah
0: I I like uh, what is it? dysentery or anything like that dying from pooping yourself to death that sucks (laughs) that really yeah I mean I I think it all sucks I'd say so where your assholes (laughs) just on fire and probably blowing out because you're shitting to death like that's the worst
1: I uh I I had some arsenic poisoning a couple times (laughs) I was
0: like really
2: (laughs) no I'm (laughs) saying
1: Um, okay here's a better red or swollen skin the skin changes such as new warts or lesions appear <sighs> abdominal pain nausea and vomiting diarrhea um, abdominal heart rhythm muscle cramps tingling or fingers tingling of fingers and toes and then you also have darkening skin digestive issues yeah,
0: pepto-bismol back then yeah. no yeah just
1: yeah, it sounds like you suck. Horrible, all or sounds like your it sucks. body just explodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah and I guess, I guess, I guess, then your your organs just start to to shut oh, down God. after that.
2: Yeah. Oh, that sounds uh, slow and awful. Yeah. So I'm going to be talking about the Great Boston Molasses Flood <gasps> of 1919. I love this story.
0: I couldn't. The first time I heard about this shit, I couldn't believe my ears. I was like, "All right, somebody's fucking with me. This is clickbait. I don't believe this." Yeah. Right. Crazy. They're yeah, still. I hear those motherfuckers yeah, I mean, are still finding molasses places.
2: So I think that's kind of a rumor that you know from the research they say you know to this day you can still smell molasses in the streets, which apparently that's, that's just not a brain true. tumor. But <laughs>
1: yeah, now Boston <laughs> smells like vomit. Jesus doesn't smell like molasses anymore. <laughs> it
2: smells, it smells like, like dogs. dogs.
1: Ooh, ooh, ooh. Dogs and like dogs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, perhaps one of the strangest tragedies of 20th century America was the Great Boston Molasses Flood of 1919. Yes. And as you were saying, although this sounds absurd and may seem like something more funny than tragic, it was really, really
0: oh, horrible. That. Yeah. Ugh.
1: It's, it's, it's kind of funny to imagine because you just, I don't know. It's like... Yeah, it's like...
0: Yeah, are you fucking? It's with kind of like thick,
1: like the viscosity. It's like just, imagining
0: yeah. swimming in a pool of soda when you really love soda, but really it would like burn your eyes and be very painful and just be awful, you know, something like <laughs> yeah.
1: that. Oh yeah,
0: you probably couldn't <laughs> breathe
1: swimming in a pool of yeah. soda.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into I that wanna for get, sure.
0: I want to get I want get the what is it? The Great Boston Molasses Flood. Could you say one more time? The Great Boston
2: Molasses Flood of 1919. I need
1: to
0: get that printed on a t-shirt and just like have it as a conversation starter. Yeah.
1: That's
2: like let me tell you about it. it. Exactly.
0: <laughs>
2: so, this was not a spontaneous thing, and this catastrophe could have been prevented. There were clear signs a disaster was imminent, but the warnings were neglected and dismissed, resulting in the death of 21 people and the injury of 150 more. So it's kind of funny how yours and mine, same kind of like death toll and injury.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, it's like when you think about other, you know, almost like disasters like that, it's usually some sort of like neglect within the function, within like the everyday functions of it. Like there's, yeah. a, there was a, a horrible chemical toxic gas release in, in India. Mm-hmm. And it was just like kind of basically just out of neglect. Um, they didn't hire enough people, and they didn't keep up their equipment. And like hundreds of people died, and like thousands oh. were affected. And, and like
0: goddamn interns.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so my main source for my research today is Stephen Paleo's fantastic book. I recommend it, you guys. It's called Dark Tide. He gives a really in-depth account on this subject with tons of World War One history, mm-hmm. personal accounts of the victims. And like he's writes in such gripping a gripping fashion with his Ooh. storytelling. So you guys should definitely Absolutely. check it out.
1: How how'd you come upon it?
2: Well, I was looking through YouTube
1: <laughs> and oh, okay. I saw yeah,
2: nice. I saw he was doing a panel about misremembered history. And um he was talking about this. Ain't no shame in that. Yeah. Yeah, and then I and he spoke about his book, so I went and got it on Audible,
0: and I listened to almost the entire thing.
1: That's it's, sick, man. Seriously, yeah, there are
0: so many good lectures on YouTube that you can find through different universities and museums and stuff like that. Oh, like, yeah. There's no shame in wa- watching that stuff. It's, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, as long as long bad. as you
1: know it's not, yeah, some, like, crackpots, like... Right. <laughs> t- ...touting themselves like, as... on <laughs>
0: my next top ten list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So anyway, check that out. I, I encourage the like, audience. Oh, do you have too. to light
0: yourself that way? Yeah, no. Yeah. I think I'll. I think I'll do yeah. sounds,
1: I like the World War One facts will be interesting.
0: Oh man, yeah, yeah, always so good. World World War One is amazing, like fascinating. Absolutely.
2: he is a weaver of fantastic tales.
0: <laughs>
1: Yay! <laughs> Sticky. All
2: right, so let's go. Let's go back to 1915. World War One was heating up across seas and the American manufacturing industry was needed for supplies, namely munitions. Molasses was one resource that was imported from the Caribbean and was not only used as a sugar substitute and for liquor manufacture, but also for creating industrial alcohols that were used in creating explosives for the war industry.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know that either.
0: Me neither.
2: When the United States Industrial Alcohol Company, or the USIA is how I'll be talking about it from now on, (laughs) decided to expand production within the north end of Boston at the Purity Distilling Company, they ordered a massive tank to be constructed for production. They decided to make its home along the Boston's north end wharf, where delivery would be easier and cheaper. They could simply load molasses into the tank straight from the ship that brought it.
1: Uh Putting more alcohol into Boston? Oh, (laughs) disaster. God
0: damn, please. Christ. (laughs) So also,
2: along with this being highly convenient because of its proximity to the wharf, it was also chosen at this particular location within the North End because it housed poor Italian and Irish immigrants, whom were expected not to complain about this monolith going up in the middle of their neighborhood. So I don't know if you guys looked at that picture Take a moment to look at the photo of the tank. It's the first one in the gallery. Yeah, so it's how huge. Big it's a, this thing
1: is. Yeah, it's 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 probably like I don't know. I'd say like, that's got to be like ten stories tall, maybe more. Actually, it might be oh, bigger shit. than that. Oh yeah. shit! That looks photoshopped. It's so it big. It's huge.
0: Yeah, it's huge. That's filled with molasses. Yeah. Molasses in your asses.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. It was a big. I saw and it blocked residents view of the sea and as thought the residents didn't complain
1: fuck them they're fucking immigrants
2: <laughs> yeah they came on a boat they already seen it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's exactly what happened and I mean Italians and, and Irish at that time you know they were really oh, yeah. dis- discriminated against mm-hmm. paleo goes into great detail about how horribly they were treated so I this classist mindset along with a healthy dose of greed, influenced the willful ignorance that went into the installation of the tank and its upkeep, in air quotes. Because there really was no upkeep. So this tank stood 50 feet tall, 90 feet in diameter, and held some 2.3 million gallons. Ooh. This is the equivalent to three and a half Olympic swimming pools worth of molasses.
1: Damn. Wow. Crazy. Dude, they must have so many pancake parties. I
0: bet. Yum. Pancake parties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm.
2: So the building and installation of this tank was rushed and careless. When USIA had the tank in place, the manufacturing company recommended it to be filled to be checked for leaks and then drained thereafter. However, Purity Distilling only filled the tank to six inches in depth and drained it eager to begin production. This, as you can guess, is not even a remotely acceptable way to test the integrity of something of this size. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) So after the tank had been filled with molasses, it was almost immediately clear that it had many structural issues. And these just worsened with each passing year. Molasses poured from certain spots along the tank's walls and seams. Ooh, free molasses. (laughs) Yeah and it would pool on the ground in several places around it. The residents of the North End would come to the tank and fill their own containers and cans for home use.
1: I, I'm just picturing like there's some like fat little like Scandinavian boy just laying under it with like, a horrible... <laughs> he's like, oh, I ate too much. He's
0: oh. just got a fucking jar he takes <laughs> with him everywhere, and he's just like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I drank too much molasses Oh, oh my belly. <laughs>
2: So the sounds of moaning and groaning coming within the tank became a normal part of the north end's noise pollution. This thing was like making noise all God, the time. God,
1: Gunther got into it again.
0: <laughs> I know. I was. I was totally thinking of children Would floating in their two children corpses, just Would being like, help! It's
1: cut it out! <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. And then it's just like, oh, basically, yeah, (laughs) fucking bolts popping out and shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. They're just it's so funny. It's a testament to how bad their lives must have been that they're just like, yeah, I mean,
2: what the fuck were they going to do about it? Not a goddamn thing.
0: (laughs) Quit complaining. Who gets the free molasses around here?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So during 1917, Isaac Gonzalez, a worker for Purity Distilling, took to sleeping near the tank and spreading sand around it to help stop the leaking molasses from flowing too far along the ground. He had personally noticed the leaks were becoming more numerous and severe all the time, and he took this upon himself. So Gonzales reported these leaks several times to his higher-ups. Arthur P. Gell, the boss man, dismissed Gonzalez and was even angry with him for pressing the issue. The U.S. had entered the war by this time, and munitions production was needed in higher volumes than ever, and profits were way up.
1: You're getting free molasses, Gonzalez, Why you complaining.
2: Jell <laughs> <laughs> did not want to hear of these issues, Aww. and he was also under pressure from threats of anarchist attacks on the facility, because anarchists oh my were God. going around and
0: blowing shit up all over the city. I just had a really funny vision. His name was Jellin.
1: Jill. Gel. Or
0: gel? Arthur Jell. Jell. Okay. And it's like his tagline. Tag he's like having a nervous breakdown. And he's just his tagline. He's like, oh, that's alright, man. I'm just Joe. I'm just <laughs> It's fine. It's cool.
1: Dude, I don't even know why oh you my why, God. Why, why you worry about all this leaking and going into you? Just just gel. Just, <laughs> just, geling, just, man. just
2: gel, man. Exhalis.
1: Gel out. Yeah, just gel. Jell like me. Arthur Jell. <laughs> that's so funny though. It's like it's funny to think anarchists, they're blowing up facilities but it's like all right guys we're really gonna stick it to the man let's blow up the molasses facility <laughs>
2: yeah well they we'll probably a knew. Jars while you're there okay i'm sure yeah,
1: they knew you, that they awesome. were
2: contributing to munitions production so i mean that's why they would be targeted <laughs> yeah it's just yeah. it's
1: funny i think it's a molasses <laughs>
2: yeah it is you know to gel the tank was still standing and some leaking was normal and he told this to gonzalez and he also said that he should be focusing on keeping the thieves away from the tank rather than on a few little leaks and sent him on his way.
1: Dude, that gonzalez he just he's just not gel, man.
0: <laughs> he's, he's not. He, I don't think he's gelling with this company.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Isaac Gonzalez secretly returned to the tank every night to keep an eye on it. He started overhearing talk about the sounds the tank made among the people in the neighborhood. <laughs> William
1: Dude, White, it is like it's it's like consuming his life.
2: It was, yeah. He would run People across like, town
0: oh, every night. God, it was...
1: here comes Gonzalez. He's gonna talk about the fucking tank he's like, again.
0: He's like, goddamn hot, sticky, sweet.
1: <laughs> They're gonna pour sugar That's on sweet, us all, sweet. damn it.
0: Hey, <laughs> you listen to me. There's a sweet ass ticket time bomb in that bag. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Poor Gonzalez.
1: <laughs> uh, if you
0: don't listen to me, this whole town's going to have molasses
1: in his ass. <laughs> <laughs> You're <chilling> with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
2: <laughs> so. William White, the superintendent, was also seemingly unfazed by the condition of the tank. Gonzalez told White of his nightly visits in hopes that something would be done. White told him to keep his mouth
1: shut as he was doing the same.
0: Just, just rub some molasses on it and keep your mouth <laughs> shut.
1: You know, if you're constantly chewing on molasses, keep your mouth shut. Everything's fine. Yes. Well, it'll yeah, be fine. <laughs> They're like, I can just imagine these two guys, like the bosses, like they're like snorting lines of molasses in the <laughs> back. Like.
0: What? Ew, it's all sloppy. It sounds like Lugie's going in there. Like.
1: Keep your mouth shut, Gonzalez. <laughs> oh, that's a hell of a, that's a, Ew. that's a slow drip. The slowest drip.
2: So in 19, August, 1918, Something was done. Kind of. A a painting crew came to paint the take a color close to that of the molasses. (laughs) Instead of
0: trying to fix it, they decided to hide it. You can't even see it pouring out now. That sounds, yes, that sounds like a drunken decision if I've ever fucking heard one. It's horrible. Just paint it. Yeah.
1: So
2: Gonzalez was so fucking pissed off and defeated after that, he quit. And he joined the service. Good for you.
0: I thought you said the circus.
2: <laughs> so also during this time, um, the 1918 epidemic was brought to Boston from returning soldiers. And there, were, and there were people dying at an alarming rate. And the North End was hit especially hard. However, by the time the war ended on November 11th, 1918, the flu was subsiding. So I thought that was just kind of an interesting side fact.
1: Oh, and oh, okay. the molasses was flowing.
0: <laughs> I know, your spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down.
1: Mm. <laughs> down. <Damn. laughs>
0: I just saw that for the first time today. I've never seen Mary Poppins. It's kind of fun, isn't it?
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: It is very fun. She's sweet. Uh, she is. With Prohibition also imminent, for purity
2: distilling, business was uncertain. In an attempt to beat Prohibition by quickly producing a large amount of liquor, a new shipment of molasses was ordered and due for delivery in January 1919. To fill the tank. In anticipation of this shipment, caulking efforts were made on the tank in December 1918, taking one man 10 days to complete the job.
1: Uh, they gave me a tube of caulk and a roll of duct tape.
2: <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. It must have just been like plugging leaks, another sprung
0: Aww. for like 10 days. It's like fixing it to your, your neck, you know, kind of <laughs> thing. Puffing like. on a molasses <laughs> Poor guy. cigar. Jeez, that's like talk about a, a the Dutch boy with his finger in the dam kind of thing. Yeah,
1: Who, yeah exactly. Who's also eating too or, much molasses? Yeah,
0: I know. And he's all wired, and he's just trying to cock, but he's all shaking and stuff. Well, and it's like, well, I don't mind keeping
1: my finger here. <laughs> <laughs> out. Oh.
2: So on January twelfth, nineteen nineteen, the shipment of half a million gallons arrived at the Commercial Street Tank and took until the morning of January 13th to fully unload. Loud noises started to come from inside the tank, as the warm cargo molasses mixed with the stiff cold molasses already in the tank, starting a fermentation process that created gases that hit against the tank walls.
1: Whoa!
2: Yeah, many people heard these noises, and there was growing concern among the north end. The 2.3 million gallon tank was now filled to capacity. A 48 foot, nine inch tall, 26 million pound wall of liquid death hung in the sky within a crumbling tank.
1: Hell yeah, dude. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> say I mean, that not, again. Not hell yeah, but.
2: I
0: just want to hear it again. <laughs> a
1: 48
2: foot, nine inch tall, 26 million pound wall of liquid death hung in the sky within a crumbling tank.
0: Damn.
1: Delicious liquid
0: That's death. That's great. That's one of the best <laughs> sentences I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Liquid <laughs> death. Liquid death. Liquid death. On January 15th, 1919, at
2: 1241 p.m., the tank burst into a 25-foot-high, 160-foot-wide wave of black that traveled up to 35 miles per hour. What does that hour. look like? Those in its vicinity that heard it likened it to the sound of a freight train. It took out a half-mile area of Commercial Street and tore up the wharf. Rivets and shards of metal ripped from the tank filled the wave with deadly shrapnel. It crushed cars, tore buildings from their foundation, and pulverized homes. It killed people, horses, cats, dogs—
1: Oh, no. Oh, my God. Poor babies. <laughs> Not the cats and dogs.
2: Fifteen-foot-high walls of molasses carried dislodged debris from the, distru- from the destruction <laughs> and bodies along with it.
1: Jesus Christ.
2: A one-ton piece of the tank sliced a column of the elevated rail track, collapsing that section of it down to the street. Waste-deep molasses covered the streets, trapping people and horses beneath it. It was like quicksand, sucking those who struggled down oh my God. into it even more.
1: It's like the opening scene to a um, uh, never ending story with uh. a horse.
2: Yeah, our tax. <laughs> <laughs> People were dragged from their homes and businesses. They didn't understand why they were trapped and what they were drowning in oh until they tasted it.
0: Whoa, that sentence was crazy, Heather. <laughs> They didn't understand why they were trapped <laughs>
1: oh my God, that's or what
0: they were trapped in until they tasted it. That's crazy.
2: All many of the victims could do was wait until someone could come and find them, as they struggled to breathe and prayed their injuries weren't too severe. To rescuers, it was hard to tell who or even what was struggling within the Black River. The crews were quick to arrive, however, helping those still struggling in the molasses and taking those who had
0: died to the mortuary.
1: Or to the pancake house. Yeah,
0: yum. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I wonder if there's any, like, computerized simulations of what the explode- explosion would be like.
2: Yes, there is. There is actually a map where they show, like, in real time how quickly the molasses spread. I what? wanted to share that with you guys,
0: but oh I couldn't gosh. find a way to do it. Yeah, I will search uh, that right okay. after this. I must see that.
1: It's like one of the cops is a donut. He's like... <gasps> Worst goddamn shit i ever seen, like dips it in the molasses. Covered in <laughs> <bees>. <laughs> Takes a plate.
2: The hospital was quickly inundated with victims, and it stank of molasses. The beds and gurneys were unable to move because the wheels were gunked up from the molasses coating the floor that had dropped off the victims. Nurses recall that the patients were so absolutely coated, it was impossible to tell their gender without unclothing and wow. checking them and even more impossible to see the extent of the injuries.
1: Holy shit.
2: They worked hard to clear air passageways of thick molasses. Backs were broken, ribs crushed, skulls cracked, bones broken, and lungs filled with molasses, effectively drowning the patients. The injuries were devastating. And here I have a first-hand survivor account from the disaster. This is Martin Cloherty to the Boston Globe. I was in bed on the third floor of my house when I heard a deep rumble. I was asleep, and the rumble did not wake me thoroughly. The first impression I had that something unusual had happened was when I awoke in several feet of molasses. It didn't dawn on me that it was molasses I was in. I thought I was overboard. Martin's sister and brother survived, but his 65-year-old mother was crushed and killed in the flood. And his brother later died in in an asylum, believed to be due to the trauma from the flood.
1: Holy shit, the guy just went fucking insane.
2: Yeah, and he was also mentally, um, you know, handicapped, so,
1: yeah. Anytime he sees Aunt Jemima, it just (laughs) flies into a rage.
2: (laughs) Poor man. (laughs) And he's actually counted in the death count um, in the 21 people, the man who died in the asylum. Yeah. As the rescue efforts continued, the molasses was still knee-deep one hour after the disaster. Numerous horses that had been trapped in the molasses were shot down in the street. Injured people struggled to drag themselves out of the debris and to the aid of waiting rescue workers. Some only to be taken to the hospital to succumb to their injuries. Eleven deaths were reported that day, with another ten to follow in the coming days.
1: That's crazy, and then also all the animals and that's a hot you know. fucking oh, mess, man. It's insane.
2: Yeah, and there's some great articles, you know, with people talking to the newspapers that will give you first-hand accounts, and they're really just horrible. I'd recommend reading them.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Numerous basements of businesses and homes were filled with molasses in the following days, and search efforts for the dead continued. As the temperature dropped at night, the sugar hardened, and bodies had to be chiseled and sawed out of the molasses shell.
1: Holy that's shit. Like, so that's like fucking horrible. That's like peanut brittle but with fucking human <laughs> Dude, bodies. that's crazy.
2: Yum. Penis brittle.
1: Yeah. Just... Penis brittle.
2: Now, of course, USIA wanted to blame everything else besides negligence from within, claiming the tank was structurally sound. Anarchists with bombs and other outside influences were cited to be the root of the explosion, as it was first called.
0: Yeah, man. Fucking, fucking... corporation fucks
1: masses in your ass yeah dude always gotta cover your ass man
0: <laughs> i'm well, sorry i was like i thought i could only say it once <laughs> well
2: these ridiculous claims did not go over well over 100 lawsuits were filed against usia and it would take a thousand witness testimonies from employees victims and explosive experts 1500 exhibits and 11 weeks of closing arguments all the way through until April 1925, when the courts ruled Holy shit. that the terrible tragedy was in fact due to negligence in construction wow. and designing on USIA's part. Settlements in the amount of $630,000, wow. equivalent to $9.3 in today's money, had to be paid to the victims and their families. This case also changed the face of construction regulations, which was really the only good thing that came out of it. So, that is the very short version of this tragedy. It's incredibly sad, the way the greed overtook practicality and safety. And what's even more upsetting is the deliberate decision to place this monstrosity into a poor area with immigrants that really didn't have voices of their own.
0: Mm -hmm. Really sad. It happens all over the country all the time to this day. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you look at, like, uh... I think it was just recently, it was, uh, I mean, you know, it was like Flint and and places like that where they're just like, or fracking, the fracking that can happen.
0: Yeah. Or pollution in LA. Like there's so many old historic neighborhoods that are like, you know, mostly Latino or whatever. And they just, they get overpasses right in their fucking front door. And then they, they, the air quality is so bad and like all of that. And of course they're just like, ah, shut up. You know, whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Running shit through like native land Mm -hmm. or, you know. Yeah. That's
2: awful. It's really it makes me so yeah, angry. I mean, yes. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to close with um, one of the most fascinating details about this is that for decades, you could still smell molasses in the streets of the North End on hot summer days. Wow. And it really served as a bizarre reminder of the tragedy that claimed 21 lives and destroyed so many more. Smells so good, but feels yeah. so bad.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> I mean can you imagine like being in that flood and like how the smell of molasses would just absolutely throw you into a fucking tizzy man like yeah like the post-traumatic stress disorder from smelling molasses
0: I w- like oh my it's god like, it's like thinking it's kind of hard to imagine yes. it's like thinking of the yeah. scent of coffee like throwing me into post-traumatic stress like that would be <laughs> right so fucking lame but yes you know what you mean mm. yeah yeah
1: yeah, I mean, it's yeah it's hard to imagine, like, that much molasses. And I don't know, just, like, that rolling through and, like, consuming every kind of, like, taste of it. It's like the blob, you know? I was
0: thinking of the blob, too, for yeah. sure. Like, of just clips of that movie from, yeah, the 80s. Oh, interesting, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, Man, I mean,
2: is. it's crazy how many people came out, like, broken and crushed from it. They were just, uh you guys should read the book for sure, and also, audience, go and look at pictures of this. Yeah, it is unbelievable. Yeah, the I'm, dude, I'm
1: definitely gonna look into look into it because yeah, that's how that just sounds and in, absolutely insane.
2: Yeah, and like I really gave it a very cursory coverage, but in the book too, he covers like the people's and the victims' stories and who they were, and just makes it gives a very personal touch to it. Wow. I really
1: enjoyed it. Yeah, that's great. It's so funny because I I thought this was going to be a fun episode. but (laughs) I did too. (laughs) Some guy just
0: turns around and he's like, you never get sugar for free. (laughs) (laughs) You never get that sugar. So yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's crazy. How exciting. I'm so glad you covered that because I I had read about it briefly years ago and it was just, you know, wow, that's fucking crazy.
1: (laughs) You after that hot stick is sweet. I can't, it's never free. I
0: can't stop thinking about love. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that was a good
1: one. Yeah. Thanks. That yeah, one. That, that's all we got for deadly deadly blunders of the confection. You know what
0: it just reminded me of two of the urban um legend? I don't think it's true, but Do you remember the Roller Coaster of Love song with the girl screaming in the background? Yes. And she was supposed to be covered in like like hot molasses or honey or something like that? Yeah,
2: it was honey. If
1: that's true yeah it was some weird shit like she was on like a fiberglass thing and the honey fused her skin to the fiberglass board Dude, and, like, it's so and i totally
0: i totally bought I and fucking bought i that bought it shit too man
1: don't
2: feel bad
0: I, heather you even showed that to us i think like i that, know i
2: was like look at this man is so crazy I, man I, I think you, you can still
0: find that man. video on, on e, uh, like on eBombs. Oh oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. The faces of Belmez and stuff and that shit. That was so funny.
2: Yeah. And the fucking, <laughs> the, the hanging um, munchkin and the Wizard
1: of Oz. Oh, my God. oh yeah. Supposed to be like, and supposed to hug. I was probably it, like nine or and... 10,
0: and I was just like, oh, like so <laughs> terrified by it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's still a debate going on. Really?
0: It's crazy. <laughs> no. <Yeah.
2: laughs>
0: I thought they did. Yeah, there's it. videos
2: about it. Still, mm-hmm. the Wizard of Oz thing. Yeah. I
0: thought they proved it was just some, like, hanging light or something like that or some weird well, shit. Well,
2: yeah, it was a bird in the background, I guess. But wow. there's, like, certain remastered editions don't have the same, like, background on it. Heather, it's really you just sounded weird. like
0: a lady <laughs> with, like, a cat sweater in her basement in Wisconsin just then. You're like, there's still some remastered editions, you know, out there. You just got to look for them. <laughs> I am that lady. No! Now.
1: <laughs> so I guess we should do socials. Um, yeah. You can find us on Facebook at Under the Pendulum Podcast, on Instagram at Under Pendulum Podcast, on Twitter at Pendulum underscore pod, and you can find all our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, or almost anywhere else you listen to your pods.
2: And you can find me, Heather. On Facebook at Heather Thomas, Instagram at h.n.thomas, Twitter at, at Heather w. Thomas, and you can hear my narrations on Creepy Tales to Terrify, Pseudopod, and Chilling Tales for Dark Nights.
0: Woo! <laughs> hey there, y'all. This is Caitlin, and you can find me Frothy Star at on in Instagram. <laughs> 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 and if you Google me, there's so you should try to like pick which one's the Caitlin Weber. <laughs> you'll never find me you'll never find me <laughs>
1: and uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram by searching for Christopher Weber nice. and also you can try to pick which one you think it is
2: <laughs> it's, it's not it's the basketball really player
1: Yes.
0: oh my god I forgot he was a basketball player I remember people used to say that all the time like your brother's Chris Weber that kind of <laughs> shit yeah yeah, I mean, I haven't heard
2: that he, one before, buddy.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Good thing the 90s are over. Now move along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I love you, all listeners, and I love everybody. Love, love, love. Glasses and yes. I love everybody, too.
1: <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Hope you guys are doing well, and we'll uh, be back with another episode. So thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. See you next time. Bye. See you next time.
0: You'll be good now.